from the frozen lands of Minnesota. Two adventurers, Adam and usually Dave, battle the harshest internet connections to bring you another episode of the Digital Soup Podcast. Their opinions are unqualified, but the conversations are good. Welcome back, everybody. This is episode 192 of the Digital Soup Podcast, where we are answering questions that you didn't ask, and we're finally getting around to covering the top 10 part of the list for the most terrifying mythological creatures. Joining me this week, as always, my good friend Adam, and you know, no Jason here this week, but man, that was fun having him here last week, gotta say. So Adam, what have you been up to? Well, well, well. Well, well. That's a great question. Uh, did a little bit of artwork. Yeah. And made a painting, which I normally don't do. That was earlier in the week. Mm-hmm. Needed something to hang up on the landing of my where my stairs are to go down to the basement. Oh. And I've been working on recording a song. So Ooh, today nice. I tracked some drums. Oh. Took several takes and it was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I got a cool sound out of it, though. I've got seven drum mics from Audix. Oh, wow. Okay. And um, so close mics, overhead mics, all that stuff. Sure. Can't wait to show it to you. Nice. Yeah, I've I've been looking. I know when I play, I use uh, kind of a mix, mostly Audix across the toms. And then I Mm -hmm. use, no, that's not right. I use Sure sure mics of some sort. I can't remember the line on the snare and some of the toms and then we mix in some audix mics for the low tom and the floor or the kick drum i mean and the uh couple for one that one that we put on the hi-hat there also so i i wish awesome. i had a set at home made the, i don't i don't own the mics that the other band members <laughs> do but it's something i'd love to get so i could the only thing is i got to figure out a mixer then to run seven you know eight different mics into to record properly and Yep. Get yep. that to my computer and then start looking at all that gear and it's like, ugh. <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's a big process. Right. It's like a good set of electronic drums would be easier. Just give me that input. Oh, I wish. I, I just but, saw uh, Roland. It doesn't sound the same. No, it doesn't. It doesn't quite sound the same. I mean, they're very getting very close and I, I just couldn't do it live. But for recording purposes at home, I might be able to get away with it but even that's that's iffy it all depends on the room you're in too you know what you're picking yep. up but but yeah roland just announced a uh a new set that's in their mid mid-range line with their their kit it's a little streamed down but even that was still like three or four grand and i thought oh i can't do it too much but that Oof, painting yeah. though you sent me that the other day and i've got i when i was first looking at it i thought you had went real nuts on this thing and like busted out a skill saw or a scroll saw nope. or something. And we're like <laughs> cutting these out. Lighter Cause saw. what you, what you did was like a mountain range in the distance, almost like you'd see in the smoky mountains where the, they kind of fade to colors in the distance with the sunrise or sunset there. Correct. And I thought you had cut those all individually out of some kind of thin wooden veneer type thing. And then <laughs> put those all in. I was like, holy crap, he really <laughs> went all out. <laughs> That's not a bad idea to get some actual 3D layering in there. Right. But that could so be cool. Basically, listeners, I, I've, I've got like a one and a half or two foot by 
like three or four foot piece of plywood just sitting mm-hmm. there. And so I built a frame around it and I just painted this plywood thing with this mountain scene on there just to, to hang up. But it, it kind of came out pretty good, I think. Yeah, I thought Maybe it looks- We'll have to post it. Yeah, yeah. I thought it looks good. I mean, I, I it made me immediately think, like, I want to make one of these. And I'm thinking that my daughter is going to have a blast if I if I put the wood part together and let her do the painting. I think she'll have a blast yeah. with it. So. so I did the painting first, and then I put the frame on, of course. Assemble it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. Yep. But, uh, yeah, it's pretty easy. I mean, you just draw some mountain lines and... Yeah. Not mountain lions, lion. <laughs> well, it's it's <laughs> like a cougar in there. <laughs> it reminds me when you made that that uh, digital soup sign for me. <laughs> oh yeah, Elmer, um, for for my fortieth birthday, and with that one too, I told you back then, you, you got to figure out a way to kind of somehow mount into part of the frame like these real low profile LEDs or whatever. And yeah, this one would be be really cool because you got like that sunrise feel. Just mount them across the top and just just over the sunset or the sky part, so it Ooh, just yeah. illuminates that a little <laughs> bit. The rest of it would stay in shadow. That'd be pretty rad. I thought the the sun ended up looking just like a because I didn't paint the sun white. I left it the the plywood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It kind of looks like a planet. Yeah, it's, it's it was very cool. And then last night, uh, well, as we're recording this a little early, but. I, I had to call you and left you that message because I looked up at the moon and there was just a few wispy clouds in front of it, but it looked like your son from that thing. Like it had wood grain on it. I was like, that is so cool. It's <laughs> my son. It's it's there in real life. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So what do we got going on this week? I know last week we went, uh, one of the longest episodes we may have ever put out for this show, to be honest, aside from one of the yeah, first yeah. ones with that Nintendo thing, but it's great having Jason join us, and so just a, mm-hmm. a lot of uh, catching up to do there. But what do we have this week? What well, this week we're, we're back with the last of our list of the most terrifying mythological creatures. Yes. So I'm looking forward to that. But I do have some questions for you before we get into that. Cool. Let's hit them. So what is a TV series everyone should give a go? Mm, I think this is one, and I, I mentioned these not long ago. We were talking about shows that got canceled too early. And I couldn't remember the names of them, but I, I remember it about two days later. Uh, the one where the uh, woman is a, works in a mortuary is called True Calling. Um, that's a, even though it was ended early, the two I think two maybe three seasons it had were fantastic. Flash Forward was the other one where everyone in the world essentially went unconscious for a very short period of time, except for a small handful of people. It's only one season, but it's a really cool premise. Now. As far as ones that have gone on and and you know reached their natural conclusion, I'm still a big Game of Thrones fan. I really uh-huh. enjoyed it, but that's a massive one. Yeah, it's a big undertaking. Yeah. What? What? Well, I'm thinking of some other ones here. What do you have? What are your go to? So I've been watching a lot of Amazon Prime lately. Sure. Um, Hannah is a great series. Hannah Montana. <laughs> yeah. <Yep. laughs> Hannah Montana, you'll love it. So there's a few Amazon originals that I do recommend. Hannah's one of them. Uh, she's kind of this this Russian child or whatever that's raised to be this super spy kind of a person there mm-hmm. in the woods. It's pretty cool. Uh, Jack Ryan with um, John, John Krasinski yep. is very good. I haven't um, seen it, but it's on my list. Yeah, that one's that one's very good. And then of yeah. course Vikings as I'm I'm still oh, yeah, yeah, rewatching yeah. and catching up on that. Definitely something fun to watch. Now those are a lot of these are big series with a carrying story arc that you've got to like start from beginning to end. There's some other kind of cool shows out there that uh that you can just 
you know, get into and do a single episode, you know, stuff like Kitchen Nightmares or <laughs> I kind of like that stuff with Gordon mm. Ramsay where he just screams everybody. Um, yeah. My kids have really been enjoying this craft show with um, uh, Nick, uh, Nick Offerman and. Um, oh, uh, a friend of our show, Vinny here is going to be yelling at me because. I know what this show is, and I cannot think of what it is. And as makers, uh, making the, it, making, making it, yep. it, yeah, yeah. Um, and I know I've heard I've heard a lot of people love it. I heard a lot of people that are in the making community kind of are disappointed because they don't it, it they add too much drama, I guess you'd say, and not enough mm-hmm. making. But well, it, it's, it's, it's a lot of very crafty stuff. My kids yeah. really enjoy this show. Um, yeah, of course, Nick Offerman's pretty funny. Amy Poehler does a good job. Yeah, um, they <laughs> you can tell they've worked together before, so that's kind of right. Cool. Um, so that one's that one's pretty good. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to think because when you when you mentioned some of the Amazon originals, it got me thinking of of like Netflix originals is mostly what I've watched and. The one that jumps to mind, I still haven't watched season two yet, but Altered Carbon, which I've referred to before, mm. it's a sci-fi. Yep. Um, a lot of people kind of didn't like how the the last season went with Glow, the gorgeous ladies of wrestling. But I thought actually, even though there wasn't as much focus on wrestling as a character arc, I, I thought the story made a lot of sense. And I that's one, it's three seasons, not a huge undertaking. But that's enjoyable to me. Um, there's a couple other ones, and I'm just drawing a blank here. I cannot think of it, but uh, mm. it's, it's it's they're creativity based, and I cannot think of what in the world they were called. It'll come to me here, but yeah, some of those. Yeah. I mean, there's so much good TV out there. Yep, and some bad stuff. So once you get past, if you can't get past one episode of something, skip it and find something else. Yeah, yep, don't waste exactly. your time. Exactly. So let's say theoretically or hypothetically, the president accidentally declares Martian law instead of martial <laughs> law. Yeah. What powers does he think he has under Martian law? Oh, man. This one, so, <laughs> it makes me laugh. So, and it's, I don't want to sound political. It's a weird we're not, question. Yeah, we're not. A, I, I, I want to put a caveat here, and I do not want to put President Trump in this role. This is just any president. Any president. Yeah. Just the, yep. the idea of something silly happening. You know, in, Truman. Yeah, this all I can think of is Marvin the Martian for some reason. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kaboom! <laughs> you know? Yeah, there's some, what, yeah, what, what would he would be do? A Martian law. So martial law, of course, when the government takes over and, mm-hmm. and kind of militarizes and says, "Okay, people, this is what's happening. We're in charge." Right. So if you're handing if you're handing control and power over to the Martians. Theoretically, yeah. there aren't any, but um, maybe there used to be. <laughs> sure. And now you have to, like, I don't know, um, carve weird faces and leave them in the ground, like on Mars. Yeah, or, you know, <laughs> or abduct people and probe them. Yeah, may, well, and maybe, maybe it's, you get probed. No, uh, <laughs> instead of uh, in today's uh, COVID nineteen you know, society that we're used to where people are now having to take their temperatures before they enter their workplace. (laughs) Maybe it's Mm. something else. The probing happens. No, I mean, Mm. maybe there's some interesting farming practices to, uh, that they put into place to try and, you know, enhance that red, red dirt planet. Well, in the, in the HG Wells, um, retro sci-fi story, the war of the worlds. Yeah. Those are the Martians that come attacking. So, um, martial law, I imagine would have these weird tripod aliens. Did just they show up? 
did they eat people? No. Uh, no, I think they I think they used them as Harvest, fertilizer, right? Yeah, that's to... right. Yeah, harvested <laughs> them for something. Oof. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That's pretty grim. This this question seems silly and fun on the surface, but hmm. <laughs> now it's kind of yeah, dark. It's, yeah, it's kind of dark and abducty. I want to just keep it in in insert any president drawn in the style of the Simpsons, but it's the character of Marvin the Martian. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So a Simpsons sense. version of Marvin the Martian, who is actually wearing the face of, you know, George Washington or Abraham Lincoln or you know whatever president you want. Ah, yeah, exactly. Declaring mm-hmm. Martian law. Probably <laughs> the the president at that point's are probably already been. It's an imposter from Mars. Yeah, body snatcher style. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm. So what happened today that made you happy? I had a steak for dinner, which is not a huge deal. You know, my wife grilled a steak up for dinner and some pork chops grilled and steak. stuff. I'm yeah. happy just hearing about it. Yeah, I mean, it's not a huge deal for a lot of people, but you have to understand, for me, my wife just doesn't really eat red meat all that often. It's always, she'll eat chicken, she'll eat pork chops, she'll eat um, like uh, like cheddar, Polish, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to a... a straight up burger or steak or something like that. You know, she's not, she's not in on that. And so typically I don't get that very often unless I, we go eat out or something like that because there's no, no sense in, in making multiple dinners at home. You know what I mean? Right. And it just so happened tonight. She grabbed, grabbed a couple steaks. She got at the grocery store from our local butcher there and then did some pork chops for her and the kids, and I got a steak. So, and I got one nice. left that I can eat when we're done recording. Send it my way. <laughs> I will have it. Yeah, that's probably the the thing today that made me happiest. <laughs> nice, nice. Um, beautiful weather aside here. Like I said, oh, I, I got a good take on a drum track. I think for my song that I think is going to work. I'm excited to hear this. Yeah, it's 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 cool. I think nice, but nice. it also might completely suck if you listen to it and go. Mm. Well, nah. we'll see. We'll see. You know, <laughs> no, I, I it's sh- really good. Du, 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 du. <laughs> I'm sure it's not that. No, no, no. <laughs> I did get some uh, some puppy snuggles to wake up this morning. That nice, kind of nice. that kind of happens. I'm not from the uh, wife. Gonna, yeah, no, no. I guess I didn't even announce it here. Um, Memorial Day weekend, that Friday of Memorial Day weekend. My, I gave my wife the okay uh, a few weeks prior. And we surprised the kids. It was kind of her Mother's Day present and surprise for her and the kids. Uh, finally broke down and and let them get a puppy. And so this thing, I thought it was eight weeks old when we got it. It was only seven weeks old. But um, tiny little bugger. And she's letting him occasionally sleep in the bed. And I'm not thrilled with that at times. <laughs> so he's kind of half and half in the bed and and downstairs in his in his kennel. But uh, this morning, I don't know if she was in there all night or if she just let him out early and then brought him up, you know, while she went back to sleep for a few hours, but woke up and was, he was all snuggled up. So that wasn't too bad. All right. Well, that's pretty good. Yeah. So let's say there was some animal that had the same cognitive ability as a human. What species Mm. would you be most terrified of if they had that cognitive ability? You got to think the feline species, you know, cats. Oh, man. Big cats, small cats. I mean, they're they're kind of notoriously devious as it is. Yeah. Imagine uh, if they could plan and reason and 
I'm gonna go smaller ants and spiders Ooh. or mosquitoes. Like some <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, let's get forty thousand of us. We could take this one thing and just suck it dry. Right. You'd watch your house just drop because they they'd organize and just literally eat out the whole yep. foundation and collapse now, it on your head. If I could pay ants to move stuff around. Well, you don't need to pay them. You just need to develop the technology like Ant Man. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Easy. That'd be a good superpower. It would probably cost a million dollars. I still maintain chickens would be terrifying too. And and, and I didn't oh, mean to, yeah. to jump. I don't know why, but chickens But I tell just, you what, hmm. a, a, a massive fried chicken. Oh, wait, no, we're not, I'm not talking about huge animals. Are we? We're no, talking no. About smart Cognitive ones. ability as oh. humans. Yeah, they just, geese mm-hmm. and chickens would be terrifying. But yeah. Yeah. Million dollars though. Out. So if a good superpower cost a million bucks, like invisibility or flying, what yeah. superpower could you get for just 10 bucks? Hmm. I mean, you could probably get like diamond hard toenails. Ooh. They make what, it really hard that? for you to cut. <laughs> if you had to kick something down, you just let them grow long enough and maybe it would help, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Well, what's like the... Essentially... What's the dollar store equivalent of uh, <laughs> a good superpower? Maybe the ability to not smell anything for a short period of time. Yeah, like so you, could, could, you could walk through any any nasty bathroom or cesspool and yeah. just turn on that ability, and you're not affected while everyone else is like, "Oh no!" Right. What about uh, hmm? For ten bucks only, like you could, like let's Get say, let's, yeah, something like say Aquaman, for example. I mean, he can breathe underwater essentially what if you could do that but only for like five breaths <laughs> you get this so you got a sample a superpower sample pack essentially yeah like you could <laughs> it, it would still let you go under and hold your breath you could fly, you could fly for 10 bucks but landing is going to cost the other nine hundred ninety thousand. <laughs> yeah you couldn't land yeah or, or you could fly but only five feet off the ground <laughs> <laughs> but you, you got to stay on a certain route right <laughs> you can only fly to and from your your job. Oh, well, well that'd be worth ten bucks. Yeah, yeah, for ten <laughs> bucks, I guess. Yeah, I would just float down my stairs. <laughs> you mean you don't already? <laughs> <laughs> You're so excited to get to work. It's yeah. like this is great. La, la, la. <laughs> it's like a more of a prance, right? Right, skipping. Yeah. <laughs> no, so yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if there's anything else. I mean. I feel like I picked some some kind of dud questions today. No, no, no. These are these are just thought provoking. It's hard yeah. to come up with some of these I, answers. Listeners, as we're going through these, I, I you know I feel like we're kind of blasting through them a little bit. Mm. But if you have oh, ideas okay. that we're missing, obvious right. things, we gave them a long episode up. last time. Yeah, long episode, and you know <laughs> we're recording at a weird time for us. Not to get yep, to uh, inside baseball, but usually we're recording either later in the evening, and every oh, once in a baseball. rare while, it's like. Sunday morning or something weird. Typically, yep. though, it's like eight eight o'clock at night or something. And now it's like yep. six yeah, o'clock. So maybe we're just off. No, we might just be off. But that's all right. What so do you got? One last question. What, what could you give a forty minute presentation on with no preparation? I want you to go first because I feel like everyone's going to guess mine right away. Photography. Yeah. Probably, I, I know I could <laughs> yeah, do that. I, guess. I know uh, I could so do that. Easy ones aside. I mean, for, for me, it would be like um, any you know a lot of. IT stuff or sure. um, pff, no prep, 
some graphic design stuff. With no prep, um, what, what could you break down in specific, not just music in general, but specifically on music, could you break down anything with no prep for 40 minutes? Oh, sure. I could go into a little bit of the history of the bass guitar, how to tune mm. it, and then a basic instruction lesson for 40 okay. minutes. Easy. No prep. Yeah. Um, let's see. Generally, how to use Reaper, you know, and getting Ooh. stuff set up. Um, but a lot of the, a lot of what I'm talking about here is like more of like a training session, right? A presentation that maybe if it's just more informational, um, when you think about any of those areas of your life where you're, you've spent hours upon hours upon hours, I mean, I could talk about PUBG, (laughs) the game, I could do a presentation on that. And here's the problem with the bots. Is there any reason a presentation couldn't be essentially a, think of like what Kevin Smith does where he goes out and just tell stories for you know talks about you know, like does a talk it's not a comedy show like a but TED it's, talk yeah kind of but it's not really it's not a comedy show it's not you know it, it's just like an entertainment presentation too mm. that could work best presentations i've ever seen are from impractical jokers oh my goodness where, where they lose and the other guys have to do a presentation with on, yeah. on sight unseen yeah and actually it's did just <laughs> embarrassing stuff yeah for fun, I made two fake presentations for my daughters, and I hooked the computer up to the TV. I'm like, "You guys have to give a presentation now on this without knowing what it is." Uh huh. Kind of in that in that yeah, same yeah. vein of impractical jokers. So for my older daughter, I did um, ferrets, <laughs> and then for the younger one, I did octopus. But I put all kinds of really dumb, stupid stuff in there, like a person in an octopus costume. It's like, "Are you an octopus? Do you have problems?" <laughs> so, <laughs> So they laugh pretty good. Nice. I recorded both of them, but I'm not going to post them up there. I I would <laughs> love, yeah, no, I want to see that. I, I would love to do like not to get side sidetracked here, but Impractical Jokers to me would be such a fun show to do. Like I would draw the line. I would I would be so make, embarrassed. Well, I don't know if I would. As long the big thing for me is like you know some of the challenges where they got to like eat stuff that i mean i remember the one where the guy had to he was like washing feet or doing um pedicures and then had to drop a sausage in the foot water and then eat it that was his they they dared him to do it and stuff like that or put other people's toes in their mouth or you know weird things like that i'd draw the line there but the rest of that oh just keeping a straight face as you're saying that stuff i'm all in i think it would be (laughs) so much fun to do uh, it's it's crazy. Well, Forty minutes, yeah. For me, that show's hilarious. Oh, I love it. Who's your favorite Joker? As we devolve into impractical Jokers talk here. Oh, I need to I need to look up their names here. It's the there's Q, Mer, Sal, and Joe. Mer's pretty funny, but probably probably Sal. Yeah, I'm a I'm a Q fan all the way. Okay, big fan of Brian Quinn. But like we said before, I think maybe yeah, on this show, he's but pretty yeah, funny. I mean, he's Sal I've and got, Murray are pretty good. Yeah, I mean they they work so well as a team. That's the thing, you know. They they all bring something to that. But yeah, that's that show is just so much fun. I'm I'm hoping they get to get. They were in the middle of just started filming the next season, and then Corona hit. So hmm. we'll and see. And Martian happens. Law hit. Yeah, Martian Law. So for me, I guess I, I didn't really answer other than saying photography. I mean, I could talk about so many aspects of photography. Banking. And he, Easily whip it out, uh, whip out a 40 minute presentation. <laughs> I had to correct myself. <laughs> Easily whip it out. Whoa. Yeah. Uh oh. <laughs> Listeners, we're sorry. This, is a, this show's for kids too. <laughs> Excuse me. Coffee went down the wrong pipe as I started laughing. 
Um, <laughs> and I'm going to just leave that in because I'm lazy like that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I don't mean whip it out. Uh, banking, yeah, I could I could talk about um, quite a few aspects of banking and, and lending and things like that as well, probably for 40 minutes with no problems. But Well, I could give a 40-minute presentation on county government. <laughs> Would it be from the, the perspective of Ron Swanson? <laughs> the government employee. <laughs> yeah. Could be. Very libertarian. Yeah, that would be. See, it's weird because I, I love that character so much, but he kind of has some, I don't know what his political leanings are. I don't really care. I just like his approach to life, not so much politics, if that makes sense, you know? Yep. But... What else? You know, let's be real. We we basically give an hour plus presentation every week with pretty much no preparation doing this show. Yeah, that's true. Hey. You know, and Adventures in Creativity, I'll have one idea, like a, a sentence on a piece of paper or whatever that says, oh, this is what you're talking about this week. And then and you then, just wing it? Yep, I just wing it, go from the top of my head. That's that's all it is, is my thoughts right. as I go. So cool. I guess I guess there's probably quite a bit I could, and if I if I didn't know it, I'd just make it up. Oh. Maybe. There you go. We should do a hmm. 40 minute presentation. Well, maybe 15. <laughs> <laughs> Random presentation on a topic as a game sometime. And what could we call it? Like um, oh, <laughs> five minutes without with yeah, whipping it out for five minutes. <laughs> no, no, not whipping it out. <laughs> <laughs> it takes you five That's minutes wrong. to find it, but no, um, oh. we should call it like a spoof on Ted talks though. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like Tim talks or something. I don't know. Yeah. New digital soup exclusive. <laughs> Ooh, Dead talks could be, that could be Jason's new, uh, walking dead <laughs> podcast. Dead yeah. Talks. Dead talks. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's for Patreon subscribers only. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, I think it might be time to talk about some recommendations. What do you think? Let's do it. And now, Digital Soup Recommendations. All right. I am making a musical hardware recommendation today. This is the Behringer HA400 headphone amp. I don't think I've recommended this before, have I? Mm, I don't think so that I remember. But this is great for recording, and I know you guys have actually used this a couple mm -hmm. times when we've podcasted in person. Yeah. And it takes one signal, and it splits it up into four. It's really simple, but it's it's um, it's not a splitter. It's a powered device that lets everybody control their own volume. And it just works perfect. All the controls are nice and smooth, and it's awesome. Just takes quarter-inch uh, headphone jack in. Mm -hmm. And so really good for studios or anything where you need to split that headphone signal out. Or even right. if, you know, for home stuff, if you're just into music and you don't want to lose anything by just using a splitter, this is really good. So, yeah. Yeah. Very, that's my uh, recommendation. Very affordable also. It's not it's not of a piece of uh, audio equipment that's going to cost you a fortune to set up either. No, no. This thing is cheap. It's mm -hmm. like 30 bucks maybe. Yeah, I, I think less. looking at it here, it was like twenty six plus shipping. So, yeah, so Very not cool. not too bad. Nice. Well, mine this week is actually a website slash Twitter account, and I, I haven't done much looking on their website to be honest. I just follow their twiddle twiddle. Jeez, Twitter oh, account. Twiddle. <laughs> my Twiddle account, <clears throat> where, where I do my whip it out talks every week. No. Oh man, I'm going to get us in trouble. Um yep. this this Twitter account is called Folklore Thursday. 
Now it's kind of fitting for our our list today. And what this is, is they've got a, they're from the UK. Their website is very in depth. I was looking at it, but they share all of these little bite size, um, different, different bits of folklore, you know, from all over the world. And you know, it's different genres. And then every Thursday, they kind of take shifts wherever they're at. They have a couple <laughs> different people that will just go crazy posting on Thursdays, a oh, whole wow. bunch of different stuff, usually on a theme of some sort. Like it seems like this week was bees. So there was okay. a lot of stories related to bees and the folklore of <laughs> beekeeping. And I just looked at their site and one of the, one of the stories from last year is asexual fairy tales, breaking the taboo. Oh boy. Asexual. Hmm. Like it reproduces with itself, yeah. So it's like salamanders or what? Tinkerbell's yeah, lover. There's got maybe maybe over in England they just have much richer knowledge and depth of folklore. Well, probably because that's where a lot of this kind of came. Exactly. From. I was going to say that's where a lot of this comes. And in the the Twitter handle itself, there's a hashtag for it and everything. People, not just this this place, but a lot of people get in involved with it, sharing their local stuff. And I mean, they have other ones. I just clicked on the the myths. And the the first stories popping up are hunting for unicorns, top five mothers in Brazilian folklore, mythology, and beliefs, and wolf myths and folklore from around the world. So, I mean, a ton of different information. They have it all broken down. Their site's actually laid out pretty well, even though it, at, at first glance it kind of looks cluttered. But they've got a, a menu up top that's breaking it down, myths, legends, folktales, folk life, child lore, spring harvest, and scary lore. So... A lot of different wow. stuff and just kind of a cool follow. I Like I said, I hadn't explored their website at all. I just see their Twitter stuff when it pops up. And there's a lot of like really old um, artwork, like uh, what's it called? Illustrations showing sure. kind of yep. some of this old stuff. And, it's, and we're it's going to be really looking bizarre. at more of those today. Yeah. So this that's why I, I figured this was a good time to to share this because it's it's one of my favorite Twitter follows that uh, doesn't topical. doesn't yell at me. Very topical. I like it. It doesn't yell at you. <laughs> hey. <laughs> you idiot. No. Nice. All right. Well, adding to the Digital Soup Spotify playlist, I'm going to be adding Look What You've Done by Jet. So Jet is, mm. they're actually an Australian rock band, if I'm, I got that right. Are they? I, yeah, I couldn't remember. They, they've got a lot of good songs back mm-hmm. from, you know, probably over 10 years ago now that they came out with a, a nice album. They had, um, uh, let's see. Well, their big hit is "Are, Are You, you Going to Be, be My, my Girl?" Girl. Yeah, yep. and uh, "Cold Hard Bitch." Yeah, <laughs> pardon my language. No, name of a song. I, I like this one. Th- this one's like uh, this one almost sounds like Beatles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's it's why, kind of yeah. more of a laid back, slower, slower tune. Right. Um, you know, pretty interesting lyrics too. I, I like it. So um, yeah, this is a good so, tune. I, I remember years and years ago. <clears throat> excuse me, in another band. I uh, used to be in, we used to play, are you going to be my girl? And I'd have to sing that while I was drumming, <laughs> which not a problem back then. I was used to that, but man, what a vocal killer. It's just consistently oh, in yeah. that register where it's like borderline scream. Yeah. I didn't know, have like, to sing that one in my band. I just played oof, the bass line, which was it's brutal. Fun. Yeah. It, it's, it's a, it's, they, they have a lot of good music and that's why I, I had to look when you said Australian. I never knew that. I don't know why I just assumed they were, they were British. <laughs> I didn't well, know it either. You know, UK, like, they, oh, they reminded, Australian. yeah, they reminded me at times like with this song um, that you're recommending uh, of the Beatles or other times kind of little bit of like Oasis feel. 
and just a little edgier yep. though, you know. Yeah, and actually, it looks like this song was released back in two thousand three. Yeah, it's like seventeen years old. <laughs> That's crazy, right? Interesting. That's a good tune, blast from the past. There, I I went. Uh, a little different, uh, you know. We were talking recently about was it last week about those those music influences that Mac asked us about. Yep. And there's this band. It's called Liquid Tension Experiment. Um, it's it's kind of a, a super group that was put together as a side project with a couple members from Dream Theater. Um, okay. The the drummer, let's see, I'm looking it up. Drummer is Mike Portnoy. Oh man, I, know I that. thought this was gonna be I thought this was gonna be some kind of new age stuff. I just got no. my ears rocked. Yeah. No, they it's made <laughs> up of uh Mike Portnoy from Dream Theater. Yep. And uh who are the other two guys? Well, I'm John, John Petrucci, John Tony Pe- Levin. Yeah, and, and Jordan Rudis. Um couple of the guys from there and the bass player's phenomenal. And this uh this music, it's all instrumental, but it's it's straight up progressive rock and it's an absolute clinic it gets very musical at times very heavy at times but this song paradigm shift opens the album so you hit play put this in you hit play and this is what you're greeted with is this massive (laughs) drum like mayhem yeah there's guitars doing stuff i mean it's just musical goodness these musicians are extremely talented and technical yeah like down into the musical theory stuff, you know. Oh yeah. You think of metal bands, and you think just kind of somebody thrashing around. No, right. There, there's a lot. Yeah, of not detail, al- exactly like, musical stuff in here. That's not only difficult to pull off, but difficult to pull off like in a single setting with one band. That's why I mean, <laughs> right. bands like Dream Theater are just incredible to watch. Right. Right. Like, oh man, it's not just a rock band, like a garage band. These mm-hmm. guys are virtuosos on their well, instruments. It's incredible. So many of those bands like Dream Theater. What always gets me is that in a lot of the situations, like their 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 vocalists always seem to be the weak point. That it's like ah, just I'd rather just hear the music a lot of times, you know, because sure. vocally, Dream Theater they've got a lot of really excellent songs that I enjoy, but a lot of them too, it's kind of like eh, just be quiet and let me hear these guys perform because they're amazing. Which is what's cool about Liquid Tension Experiment. I mean, this album's pretty old now, but um, it's it's all instrumental. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it, it takes you on a journey when you can just sit back and listen to this thing from from front to back on this album. And like how Jason mentioned last week, that Pure Mood CD, this is yep. not that. It's not well, it's relaxing. Like totally what I thought it was going to be. Right. It's, like, it's liquid tension. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the <laughs> thing is. my headphones down. Like, what <laughs> In that one song, though, it goes from this chaos and they take you on a journey and then they mellow it out to these nice grooves and finds its way and then the next song is very chill and relaxed with just um totally different feel but it's it's really like a crazy um i don't know technical but but not i don't want to put people off on a thing it's technical math music it's not that it's like taking your favorite movie scores but putting it to rock music if that makes sense where where they take it it's just it's very cool yeah one i've listened to for years so nice Nice. Well, I didn't have any listener suggestions this week. I don't know if you mm, did. But, I did uh, not either. Considering we don't, let's move on to hearing from these two about their suggestions. Hey, super friends. As you know, we don't have any fancy sponsors, but we do have some important information for you. So listen up. 
first, if you want to keep up with everything we're doing here at Digital Soup, including how to find us on social media, all the ways to subscribe, and even how to support the show, head to digitalsouppodcast.com. We appreciate all of your support, including sharing Digital Soup with your friends. But if you want to do more than share, hit that button that says Patreon on the site and help support the show by becoming a Digital Soup Patreon backer. Of course, Dave and I stay busy with our own projects outside of the kitchen as well. Dave is having creativity-fueled discussions designed to motivate, inspire, and encourage you along your own adventures in creativity with the Adventures in Creativity podcast. You'll find him at AICpod.com. And if you're interested in some amazing sci-fi stories from years gone by, I've got you covered with Yesterday's Sci-Fi. These are amazing classic sci-fi stories in an audiobook format. So what are you waiting for? Head on over to YesterdaySciFi.com for all the details. Man, that's a lot, huh? Well, just remember this. DigitalSoupPodcast.com, YesterdaySciFi.com, and AICpod.com. Now then... Thank you again, all of you that are listening, for taking time to join us every week, and let's get back to the show. I'm going to download it. <laughs> both of them. I'll download it from the internet, both of them. Yeah. You betcha <laughs> <Cool>. there. Cool. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I, I still right. am laughing from two weeks ago. Every time I picture Mark Wahlberg and Elmer Fudd laugh after he says stuff like it's a transformer, <laughs> you know, all that. Any of those phrases we've always made fun of Marky Mark for just add that Elmer Fudd laugh at the end and, and Mark Fudd will make you smile every time. Uh. Mark Fudd. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm calling him. I oh, wish man. I could draw. I would I would He would beat the crap out of both of us. I would illustrate a Mark Fudd. <laughs> <laughs> Mythological creature, Mark Fudd. Right. <laughs> Holds a shotgun, hunts wabbits, also deals with transformers. <laughs> He'd have Elmer Fudd's like dopey uh, like fifty year old beer gut soft body. With just yeah. raw, you know, big like his regular like chiseled guns, you know, arms and face, and then that stupid hat and voice. Yep, perfect. <laughs> so what do we got? We're gonna hit this top ten. We're finally getting to the ten most terrifying. Now that's right. Just to recap, I, I figure you know since this is part two of a twenty uh, top twenty list, let me run through real fast. I'm not gonna desc- describe everyone, but give you numbers twenty through. 11 in case you haven't listened to the other one we've got the banshees Scylla yeah Scylla and Sharbdis if I'm saying that right (laughs) not Beavis and Butthead but close uh the Furies Echidna Typhon who was ridiculous the Harpies (laughs) Dragons Lamia the Kappas from Japan and the Lernaean Hydra so That's where we left off. We're going to hit number 10. You want me to take it or you want to take it? Oh, I'll kick us off. Number 10, we're talking about mermaids, also known as sirens, Mm -hmm. and not the kind on top of your police car. These uh, these mermaids are legendary aquatic creatures with the head and upper body of a female human, lower body of a fish. (sighs) Again. um, Head and upper body of a human, (laughs) lower body animal. Let's reverse it, shall we? A, give me a face. give me a carp on uh, upper body of a carp on the bottom <laughs> legs, you know. 
No thanks. So <laughs> mermaids appear in folklore all over the world, and they're often associated with misfortunes like drownings and shipwrecks, and they're known for being stunningly beautiful, like mm-hmm. that there's a hot fish person. <laughs> yeah, I never the, understood that. These people are the like... The mermen are considered fierce and yeah. can summon storms. And according to some, there's been modern sightings of mermaids around the world, but there's no definitive proof. I, I guess... Thinking when I think of mer- mermaids, I think of the Little Mermaid, obviously, you know, mm-hmm. and, and some of that. When I think of sirens, I never put the two and two together, but really they no. are the same. I, I really? always think of the sirens as being like, um, aren't they the ones that sing and like, yep, they lure, lure them in, yep, and then kill them. But is this the sweet sound that calls <laughs> to young sailors? <laughs> Glug, 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 glug. Exactly. But Get them. The, what do they the, do with the people after they drown them? Eat yeah, them? I don't know. I mean, it's a human top, so, you know, human upper body. So are they just cannibal human upper bodies and eating them? Yuck. I Why don't do they know. have wings in this picture? I, I don't know. I mean, maybe to help the mermaids with their... have wings. Well, in this illustration, yeah, the sirens here are made to look like angels, basically. But you know what's weird? Again with these illustrations, I love oh, these old illustrations. But let me let me let me let me paint a, a verbal picture for you here. Sirens are all swimming around this ship, and there is about forty guys crammed on this boat that looks like it should hold about four. They're all staring <laughs> at these beautiful, angelic-looking creatures in the water that look like literally like angel wings on them, naked, kind of like statue of David type poses and upper bodies, and then. They're floating in the water. Their little tails, if you see the tail part of their actual body, look how tiny that tail is. Pathetic. It, it's it's crazy tiny. But why did they have to draw butt cheeks on it? If it's a lower body of a fish, I mean, start it at the waist. Yep. Don't don't draw the butt cheeks. I, I want to say the artist just kind of liked the butt. Yeah, maybe. Butt and boobs. I mean, it's, it's like the Da Vinci <laughs> figure drawings Jeez. in a lot of ways, right? Bunch of bunch of perv artists. Let's yeah, go. back in the 1600. Who was the artist? Antonio Tempesta is the is the artist of this 1606 illustration of sirens trying to tempt sailors to their deaths. Well, he was an Italian painter and engraver who makes his sense. Art acted as a point of connection between Baroque Rome and the culture of Antwerp. Mm. Obviously, learning stuff. That. Yeah, I mean, it, it has very much that that feel. Like I said, Michelangelo, uh, Da Vinci, that that type of feel. But some of the line work in the back on the mountains is a little different than what you'd see from those guys. But I don't know. But I never put the connection together between the sirens and mermaids. I mean, I yeah, never this... found Ariel terrifying. Yeah, he's, he's got several different woodcutting, like, like those kind of drawings mm-hmm. style, if you look on Google Images. Sure. Not that yeah. anybody cares to, but... All right, hit us with number nine. What do we got? All right, number nine, we've got the Sphinx. It is... Now we're uh, talking. Yeah, this is one we all know. Uh, monster present in both Greek and Egyptian mythology, so it kind of crosses over cultures. <laughs> Sounds like you said monster president. <laughs> yeah, the monster president declares Martian law. <laughs> He's No, but the, the Sphinx was actually both Greek and Egyptian. Uh, has, again, common theme, the head of a human and the body of a lion. 
In Greek mythology, though, the difference here, I guess they're going to tell us, is that the Sphinx was considered to be a woman and had the wings of a bird, often the tail of a serpent. Okay, so that's weird. And you can see this kind of extra animals. Yeah, you can see this depicted in in the image on this website where it's that version. The tail, instead of being a lion's tail, is literally, it ends in a snake head. Gosh, how drunk was everybody to come up with this? Yeah, very weird. Uh, However, in Egypt, the sphinxes were considered a sign of royal power. In fact, speculated the face of, is it Giza? Uh, The great sphinx was modeled off the pharaoh Khafra. Uh, The sphinx of Greek myth is portrayed as a cunning and dangerous creature. Now, I don't want to get political or gender specific. And I'm not, I'm not making a statement myself personally. This is not Digital Soup's view, but hot, that doesn't paint a shine a good light on the way Greeks viewed women, does it? Egyptians thought they were a sign of royal power. The Greeks thought it was a cunning, dangerous creature and mm. made it a woman. Just saying. She's got a snake tail, wings, and a lion <laughs> <Yeah>. body. <laughs> so, according Sweet. to myth, uh, she would stay outside the city of Thebes and ask travelers a famous riddle Which creature has one voice but four feet in the morning, two at noon, and three feet at night? Anyone who answered incorrectly was eaten. Finally, Oedipus answered her riddles correctly, upon which the Sphinx killed herself. Wait, what's the answer? I don't know. Okay, say. one voice. So that may be a person. They got four feet in the morning. No, mm. no, no. It's going to be a dog. They bark. They get out to one voice. They're on four feet in the morning. At noon, they're hungry. They're kind of jumping up, begging to get in the door to get that meal. Yeah. And at night, they lift one leg up to take a leak. Three feet. Mm. Boom. Maybe. No. I don't, I don't know. Uh, I'm looking to see. There's got to be an answer to this. Listeners, what do you think it is? Yeah, we should, we should research that. Because, yeah, I don't know. Um, What's the answer to the Sphinx's riddle? All right. Um, if you don't want to hear the answer, skip ahead 15 seconds. You found the it? The answer is a human. Oh. Four, leg, four legs in the morning is a baby crawling. Two legs in the afternoon is an older child or adult that walks. God, and three God. legs is an elderly person using a walking stick. Ah, uh, clever. Take that, Sphinx. Yeah. Well. Shut up your Sphinxster. Oh, no. <laughs> so, yeah, number nine, the Sphinx killed you with a riddle, although one person tricked it and, you know, answered the riddle and apparently. <laughs> the Sphinx killed herself? Yeah, apparently it's like the, killed herself. <laughs> what's that? That um, answer what kind of sparrow it is? I don't know. You know, um, which which movie was that from Monty Python? Oh, um, <laughs> yeah. I was well, trying to answer a riddle. Yeah, I'm the trying. Sparrows. Well, what was, type of sparrow? I don't know. Anyway. I can't remember yeah. the, which one, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's Number crazy. eight, Cerberus. Mm-hmm. According to Greek mythology, Cerberus is the three-headed dog that guards the entrance to the underworld. Sweet. Yep. That's where the dead are allowed to enter, but no one's allowed to leave, of course. Apart from its three heads, Cerberus had the tail of a serpent, because why not? Mm-hmm. The mane of a snake's and the claws of a lion. <laughs> how could they just, dis- okay, so how do they know the lion, it was lion's claws versus dog claws? Well. I mean, I know there's a difference, but. Right. Maybe they're retractable. Yeah. His three heads be. are supposed to denote the past, present, and the future, as well as birth, young, and old age. And of course, depending on the source, Cerberus is described as having deadly breath, venomous saliva, and razor sharp teeth. Yeah. Hmm. This is, uh, I believe, uh, one of the foes that uh, Heracles defeated. 
think Harry Potter ran into Fluffy and that had several heads in it. Yeah, it's it's it shown up heads. quite a bit. Yeah, it's saying in this article, most artistic representations show service with three heads. Contradictory testimonies from the likes of Hesiod, the first to give the Hound of Hades a name, and Pindar assert that it has anywhere from 50 to 100 heads. Yeah, more heads. How many? I don't know. It was chasing me. I was running for my life. It <laughs> had, must have had a thousand heads. <laughs> <laughs> ah, you know what? After looking at all these, I kind of determined that you and I could come up with our own. We just need let's we just get random animals, yeah. put them together, and then you've got your mythological creature. We should we should make a series of these and then somehow illustrate them like completely fictional mythological creatures. Yep, Camila Cougar. Yeah, what's it's that a cougar story? That you can't see because it's always changing colors to match its surroundings, <laughs> but it's got the the face of a woman. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Everything has to have the face of a woman. <laughs> and Welcome a serpent tail. Yeah, with serpent tails. <laughs> Got it. Well, for number seven, we're going to release the Kraken. Ah. Uh, th- this is a Scandinavian. Le pulpe colossal. Uh, you said it, not me. I see on the image. Yeah, I see it. I'm not attempting it. Um, according to Scandinavian mythologically, it's a legendary sea monster, gigantic proportions, dwells off the coast of Norway and Greenland. Did you say mythology? No myth. Did I? I don't know. I'm, did I say that? <laughs> Scandinavian. I yeah. I meant to say, okay. Mythological. <laughs> oh, mythological. That's what you said. <clears throat> yeah. That's, I might've said mythology, but yeah, I meant to say mythological. <laughs> I think Sorry. maybe you said mythological. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> I was reading it along with you. We are off oh, the rail. We're, this this might not be the best episode, but you uh, know oh, what? I think it is the best episode. That's true. Maybe we just embrace it. But anyways, yeah. um, up in the coast of Norway and Greenland, a lot of people describe this as basically a giant squid or octopus-like creature, but it's also been described as being crab-like. Now, according to this article from Allcation, there are various tales of the Kraken attacking and destroying ships. It's also capable of making giant whirlpools capable of bringing down ships. And it's believed that the myth of the Kraken may have originated from giant squids, which could grow up to 18 meters long, but were very rarely seen by humans. Now, there are mm. giant squid that still oh yeah, cruise the ocean They're massive. Now. Yeah, and, and the Kraken is one, probably most people know the name. <laughs> I don't know if a lot of people know what it is. This is one where I think somebody made a mistake in running their ship and they accidentally sank it. They're like, ah, it was a Kraken. It opened yeah, a whirlpool. Squid. It just sucked the ship down. I mean, I didn't yeah. totally leave the, the plug out of the boat. <laughs> well, Come on now. <laughs> what's funny is they talk about this thing living off the coasts and in, you know in the sea. A creature this big is going to need to be kind of in the deep sea, right? Yep. Look closely in the upper right-hand corner behind the ship on this illustration in this uh, article. What do you see right there? next to the shore. Yeah. They are literally three waves from the shore. There's a little hut and trees and a mountain in the background and a giant squid and ship. It's like, that's not even deep enough for that ship to probably float there, let alone for this thing to hide. It's mm. a very cool illustration, though, that part aside. Yeah, I always like this one because the mm-hmm. eyes are looking at your soul. Yep. Yeah, it's it's I love this old. That's another one that's like a woodcut art drawing. I love that style. Very cool. So what do we got for number 6? All right, number 6. The Minotaur. Yeah. 
the Minotaur was a half man, half bull monster in Greek mythology. So this is the one that I think we we talked about before, where the upper half is actually the animal. Right. One of um, the few. He, he lived in a labyrinth below the court of King Minos in Crete. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so on top of trying to escape this puzzly place now you got yeah. bull man here mm-hmm. so poseidon had gifted minos with a cretan bull that was supposed to be sacrificed but minos kept the bull instead of sacrificing it this enraged poseidon he was the water guy right yep and in, in his anger he made minos his <laughs> the <wife>. water guy <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's just the the god <laughs> of the sea <laughs> hey yeah uh, you're the water guy right yeah. yeah, you're the guy with all them water powers. Zeus, uh, you're the guy your- there with some weird love interest and throws <laughs> lightning bolts, huh? The lightning hey, guy. Hey, man. Get over here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Filter this. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Poseidon got mad, and in his anger, he made Minos' wife, Pasiphae, fall in love with the bull. Yeah. The Minotaur was their offspring. Yeah. So, so, let's think uh, about that. Just pause. No, I don't want to think. Listeners, about that. let that soak in. A god so. made this woman fall in love with the bull. The bull and woman made a baby. And the newborn Minotaur would only eat humans. Mm-hmm. So Minos created a labyrinth to imprison the Minotaur mm-hmm. and sent human sacrifices as food for the creature. Now, I want to pause there also. This was a bull. And a human, neither of which eat people. Yep. In fact, it's got the head of a bull. So which is an herbivore. Yeah, it should be eating grass mm-hmm. or leaves. Why did it develop a taste for human flesh? I don't know. Because Water Guy was did it. He so was Theseus, waterboarded. The, <laughs> yeah, the son of the king of Athens eventually slew the Minotaur with the help of Minos's daughter, who fell in love with Theseus, and aided him with a sword and length of rope. Mm-hmm. The rope was tied outside the labyrinth so it could be followed all the way out after slaying the beast. How big was this labyrinth? From what the stories say, pretty massive. Big complex maze? Yeah, yeah. This The Minotaur story is actually, like, the story of the Minotaur itself, like, you know, Papa Bull and Mama Pacifate, that's not that interesting. <laughs> Papa Bull? Um, but, but when, um, who was it again? Theseus goes in in slays the minotaur that part of the story is actually pretty cool why didn't they call him the manatar manatar well well i don't know what a tar is taurus is a bull i guess yeah Yeah. okay so minotaur would be what mini bull man bull probably man bull yeah i suppose i am man bull yeah gift of water guy (laughs) yeah can you imagine the the real life (laughs) okay the real life (laughs) physics of this you know, think of the size of a bull's head and shoulders, right? You're going to have some strong legs. Massive. How did that thing just not topple over and be like stuck with its head on the ground the whole time? Picture it's it running, trying to run, and <laughs> <laughs> it's so heavy like they can't stop and they're changing directions, running into walls. And Oh, man. Okay. So the, the labyrinth, though, um, Basically, uh, let me ask you this question. I I didn't mean to cut you off, but all the images you look up of the Minotaur, it doesn't have man legs. It's got like bull legs. It's just standing up. Yeah, it's it. Well, it's weird because it basically it kind of has like from the waist down, it's human shaped legs, but they're actually a lot of times the knees bend the wrong way like a bull would. And it's got Mm. a man torso 
and arms, and then the bull's head. It's Does he make v- the bull noise? I don't know. <laughs> and maybe he hates red? Yeah, yeah. Well, and who was this? This was Greek, so didn't they? They would have wore a lot of like red capes and stuff, I suppose. Probably. Maybe they just needed to walk in with a handful of carrots. <laughs> yeah. Chill out, Minotaur. Yeah. Chill out, dude. Stop <laughs> eating know. people. Stop eating babies, man. <laughs> the head uh, of a squirrel. I, I know this was snake. one that the Minotaur is supposed to be terrifying. I He's one on this list that to me, my whole life, every time, this is one everyone's heard of, you know, all the time, pops up in different things. He's always just seems so comically just ridiculous, farcical. Like, how, how am I supposed, I mean, I guess if he's eating people after killing them, yes, that makes him scary. But just the thought of this creature, the way it's, you know, made up and everything else, it's just comical. Like, to me, it seems <laughs> like it's more of a joke it's than It's a bunch anything. of bull is what it is. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hit, hit me up. With the next one. All right. So we've got the Cyclops. Now, I always thought Cyclops was a monster. Apparently, it is a type of monster. Uh, They're the famous one-eyed monster. So according to uh, Hesiod's Theogeny, there were three Cyclops. Argies, I hope I'm not butchering these pronunciations. Argies, Steropes, and Brontes born to Uranus and Gaia. All three were skilled blacksmiths. It was the Cyclopses who provided Zeus's thunderbolt, Hades' helmet of invisibility, and Poseidon's trident. So these are the weapons of the gods that they used to destroy the Titans in, in that mythology. But this is not quite the portrayal that, that they would come to have later, where Homer, he portrayed them as a race of violent and dim-witted idiots, uh, most famous of which was Polyphemus, who attempted to eat Odysseus and his crew. Uh, That's the more commonly held version of these things. So what's true? Who knows? I always pictured them being just giant one-eyed people, guys, really. I didn't think of them. I didn't know if they were monsters, and they kind of seem like they're just people. In this artwork, he's got two regular eyes and then another eye on his forehead. Right, and a third eye showing... blinding down to low but no wonder he's angry i mean look at the way he's depicted in this artwork and well yeah i'd be mad too yeah i'd be throwing rocks and trying to keep other guys (laughs) from seeing me also it's a bit embarrassing though they caught him before he put the rock in front of his waist (laughs) he's like whoa no paparazzi don't kill freaking Odysseus for this what's interesting is that when you think of uh, kind of to to be a little serious although it'll sound stupid when I say this, when you think of the original, um, not use, but the original story that they talked about where they were skilled blacksmiths, they they gave Zeus Zeus his thunderbolt, the helm, you know, Hades his helmet, and Poseidon's trident. Very much like, um, oh, what was his name now? Tyrion Lannister's character, or the actor's name. I can't think of his name, but when he was in Avengers, in was it Endgame? Mm-hmm. as a dwarf where they they weren't gods themselves. They didn't have any powers, but yeah. they were so skilled in Peter harness. Dinklage. Peter Dinklage, that's who it was. They're so skilled in harnessing this that they're able to forge weapons for the gods. 
And it's it's kind of similar, even though he wasn't a Cyclops, he was a giant. Um, mm-hmm. But a very it's like they pulled that right from this mythology, really. Oh. Well, and yeah, I think that that makes sense. You link it even further, and and that part's taken from this mythology, as is the, you know the character Cyclops Scott Summers with you know shooting red blasters out of his eyes. Yep, and then also being a blacksmith. No, wait, no. No, he couldn't, but I bet you he could get some good molten metal. Probably. Yeah. Yep. He's very myopic. <laughs> myopic. Number four, Med USA. Yeah. Big Pharma. Medusa. <laughs> yeah. That's her nickname. Pharmaceuticals rock. <laughs> Big Pharma. Med USA. USA. <laughs> Medusa. <laughs> <laughs> was the only mortal of the three Gorgon sisters, Medusa, Stheno, and Uriel. She used to be a beautiful maiden, mm-hmm. but then Poseidon, once again, water guy, water raped guy. her in the temple of Athena. Mm. The enraged Athena turned Medusa into a hideous creature. Wait. Yeah, that's how uh, that's how things went back then. Oh, so victim. she was a double victim. Yeah, right. Oh, no wonder she's mad. She turned the enraged Athena turned Medusa into a hideous creature with the face of an ugly woman and snakes for hair. But worse still, and everybody knows this, anyone who dared to look in her eye would be turned to stone. Mm-hmm. In her des- in her despair, she despair. became a group. I almost said despair. <laughs> like mytho- she, mythology. She became as gruesome as her outward appearance, fleeing to Africa where young snakes dropped from her hair. According to the Greeks, this was how the continent became inhabited by many poisonous snakes. <laughs> yes. Uh, why are there so many snakes here? Uh, Medusa showed up. Her <laughs> snakes fell from her head. Probably. Probably it. Yeah. Hey, you know what? I'm blaming the water guy. <laughs> that guy was a jerk. Yeah. But she was finally slain by Perseus as seen in Wrath of the Titans. Yes. Um, or Clash of the Titans. It is said that when Perseus cut off her head from the blood were born two creatures. Chrysaur and Pegasus. Yeah. Which I... Why wouldn't creatures spring from somebody's head? It's interesting because Pegasus plays... That's Zeus's horse that he flies around on quite often. Mm. I think Mm. it's Zeus. Mm. Maybe it's someone else. But I mean, the Pegasus is a, a whole different thing on its own. But yeah. Yep. Interesting though, I mean... You look at <laughs> so many of these stories and the the terrible creatures and monsters were all created because essentially they were victims or something like that happened where there was an affair, one god cheated terrible. on another, and then to get revenge, they turned someone into something. Just terrible. Yeah. <laughs> the water guy. <laughs> now let's talk. Right, give us number three. Talk about crazy concoctions where oh I, kn- I know a child came up with this. This is the chimera. Now, in Greek mythology, it's a fire-breathing female monster, of course, from Asia Minor. Looks like uh, a lion with the head of a goat protruding from its back and a snake as its tail. Now, the depiction we see in this illustration is much more dragon, much less snake. Um, (laughs) Like, let's just jam all these animals together. (laughs) Yeah, but they say, interestingly, the goat's head is the one that breathed fire, not the serpent. Um, so the lion's face in this picture looks like the lion from Wizard of Oz. Yeah, the cowardly lion. It's got <laughs> the the exactly yeah, and the curly hair and everything. So it says it's got the head of a goat protruding from its back, but the illustration has the head and the two front legs. It's 
bizarre. But apparently the Chimera had already <laughs> ransacked like many a villages. transporter accident. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Now, listeners, you guys may wonder why we're giggling here. You'll never hear it. Adam just uh, had a little bit of fun, and I had to edit some stuff out, and it's still making me laugh. We don't find the Chimera that that uh, hilarious, but um, basically, nope. it had ransacked a lot of villages, uh, occasionally killing innocent bystanders. Though she mainly slew cattle, so this horrendous monster was mainly out just eating cows, looking for food. Uh, by the time King Iobates, what beef? Beef. That's what's for dinner. That's what's for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> by the time King Iobates commanded the hero, oh boy, Bellerophon to slay this King beast. Diabetes. <laughs> King Diabetes. King Diabetes <laughs> <laughs> got mad that his herd of cattle and steaks were getting eaten by a beast. So Diabetes. he, <laughs> Bellerophon, slay my beast. <laughs> but uh, she was once believed to be nearly invincible. She had the lion's strength, a goat's cunning, and a snake's venom. Uh, <laughs> what do goats have cunning? Yeah, I don't know. I guess they <laughs> they just eat everything. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but Bellerophon rode into battle on his winged horse Pegasus. There we go. And drove a lead-tipped sword into the Chimera's flame-covered mouth, choking Whoa. her on the molten metal. What a way to go. Lead Dang. poisoning. That's a pretty violent end. Also, uh, there's an interesting note here. The term chimera has yes. now been used to describe any mythical creature which has parts from various animals. So pretty this much whole, everything on our list is a chimera. Yeah, this whole list. But this is apparently the original, the OG chimera. Fire breathing come up with some female monster. Minnesota only animal combinations to create the Minnesota Mythological Creature Association of America. Ooh. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to create that, but I was thinking about <laughs> a, a mixture of the Canada goose. Okay. The, the cunning of a chicken <laughs> and the call of the mighty loon. Uh-huh. With a tail of a possum. A Boom. possum tail? That's so disgusting. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's my Minnesota creature. Right. Oh. All right. Well, the chimera is terrifying enough and, and just to look at the abomination of what it is. But let's talk about the basilisk, which contrary to popular belief from everybody that watched Harry Potter, the basilisk, also known as a cockatrice, is a creature from Roman and Greek mythology. It's not just a big snake. Right. Um, it's born from a serpent's egg incubated by a cockerel, which I don't know what that is. So the resulting cre- creature is half bird and half snake. Hmm. So I'm guessing a cockerel is a chicken. I just don't know that. Some some kind basil- of a bird, yeah. <laughs> the basilisk is said to be the king of serpents, and its name means little king. <laughs> just what every oh. king wants to be called. Oh, <laughs> little, little king. What a little king. Oh, look at that little uh. king. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little king. Burger. burger king is a little king. Basilisk. <laughs> Give me a basilisk burger. It's said to have the power to kill a person with a single glare. Ooh. <laughs> Much like my ex-wife. <laughs> um, making it one of the most feared and deadly creatures of the mythological world. They're said to be mm. extremely hostile towards humans, and their venom is so toxic it can kill a man from a meter's distance. Whoa. Mm. In one story, the venom of the basilisk traveled up the spear of a warrior who stabbed it and killed not only the rider, but his horse as well. Very potent stuff. Ooh, living, living venom. It climbed the staff of the spear. Crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, hmm. the, the the image they use here, this ancient, like, colored drawing. Right. It's like a chicken head <laughs> yeah. on a dragon body. 
It looks like a giant. It's it's the terrifying chicken I keep referring to. Yep, this is what happens if we let chickens, you know, become cognizant with human abilities. Mm. They armor themselves in scales. And Why does its venom. tongue in the, in this illustration? You notice its tongue is its tongue is forked like a fish hook, like barbed. Yeah, Why like what it's gonna fish? it's gonna lick you and then yank you back. Maybe I guess I don't know. Yank you into its <laughs> beak. I guess could but be. It's, it's got those things hanging off its chin though. Do you think it just sounds like a giant chicken? Or does it hiss like a giant snake? Ooh. What would a hissing uh, chicken sound like? A goose, probably. <laughs> like a honk. No, not a honk. You know, when geese like they hiss oh, at the you. Goose hiss? Yeah, They're, yeah. That's terrible. It's, Wait. Yeah. Every does time that I see a video, so it's a little side tangent, but you've seen a lot of videos of people getting attacked by a goose. Mm-hmm. You ever notice no one's ever been able to actually hit it? Like they swing something at the goose and they just miss. Yeah, they're like pretty nobody can elusive. actually hit the goose. I I, like, I knew a guy once that had no problem <laughs> with that. Okay. We were uh, the the geese would come hissing at him, and sometimes he'd swing a foot and kick him right in the head, and yeah. then they'd run away. And you always kind of feel bad. I mean, I'm not promoting animal violence here, but a lot of the times he'd let them come yourself. in. And they get crazy with their wings, but he'd be patient, let them get close, and he'd just reach out quick hands and he'd grab it right around the neck. That was it. And then do what? Pick it up and get rid of it, throw it somewhere else so it was away from wherever we were. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. It didn't wring its neck like a chicken? No. That's nope. He, he just, you know, caught him and put it. Ca- it. Catch and release, you could say. <laughs> <laughs> punt, punt it like a football? Yeah, no. <laughs> I don't think there's a goose shortage. Right, right. Well, are you ready for number one? I'm ready. All right. So this one we all know, although I'm going to preface this by saying I never thought of these so much as terrifying monsters, but I do remember a few stories from, again, uh, Hercules or Heracles. But we're talking about the centaurs. As you know, the body of a horse, upper body of a human. Oh, my goodness. Uh, It said that Ixion was in love with Hera, the wife of Zeus, who appear again with this affairs leading Mm. to creatures. Here we go. Yep. Buckle up, kids. So apparently (laughs) Ixion, in love with Hera, tried to rape her while at Olympus by Zeus's gracious invitation. Man, I can't talk all of a sudden. So Zeus invites this dude to his house like, hey, come hang out. We'll have a few beers. We'll watch the game. And this guy's like, man, your wife, she's pretty hot, tries to rape her. And Zeus, once Hera told him about it, said, well, I'm going to test this. I don't know if I believe my wife. So he he molded the clouds into a nymph named Nephil, who resembled Hera, and laid it near his buddy Ixion. Completely tricked by the ruse, Ixion raped Nephile, or Nephile. So upon finding this out, Zeus was like, hey, man. It's not cool. That was, uh, that's my wife. <laughs> he dude. sounded like the dude. Yeah. I'm like, Hey, hey man, <laughs> hey man. It's, it's like, that's my rug, man. It's, it's like your opinion. Um, but he, he says, that's my wife. And he bound Ixion to a fiery wheel that was destined to whirl perpetually through the air. In some okay. versions, it was through the underworld. The result of the union though, between Ixion and this cloud nymph that, resembled Hera, was the centaurs, who Nephile gave birth to in the form of a rain shower on the slopes of Mount Pelion. Okay? So that uh, that's a bit great. of a wild ride. I mean... Yeah. 
I don't know how else to explain it. I hope you guys followed that, but that's what it was. Now, all of that doesn't tell us a single thing about the centaurs and what made them so terrifying. So yeah, the why note, are they the most terrifying? Yeah, the note on here just says that Chiron was considered to be the wisest well, and justice of the centaurs. But unlike them, I think he was immortal. It's not technically the most terrifying. It's most dangerous. So most if he was dangerous. The smartest. Yeah, that's if true. He was the absolute smartest. Then he is the most dangerous. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing, though. He has a leg up because he's the immortal son of the Titan. <laughs> he's got Kronos. two legs up in the picture. Right? <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he's the immortal son of the Titan, Kronos, and the nymph uh, Philira. If I said that right. Um, Chiron, who later sacrificed his eternal life for Prometheus, was a teacher that taught many Greek heroes, including Achilles and Heracles. Now, I do remember stories, I believe, with Heracles where he was friends with them, uh, at, at least with, with this individual, uh, Chiron. And stories of these centaurs basically, I mean, they'd form armies. They were the thinking of men, like we talked about in our question earlier. They were They were cognizant like men. Because their upper bodies were men and they would plan and they would organize and they had armies and everything else and they would just storm places and, and eliminate people. Didn't the original myth of this come from people that never saw horses for the and for the first time when they saw men riding them, they it, thought it was just their body? That would make sense to me, much more than the story of Zeus inviting his buddy over for the game and then tricking him into sleeping with what he thought was his wife but really wasn't, <laughs> yeah. who then he, got he pregnant essentially and made a gave love birth. doll. Yeah, right. Sent him a yeah, love doll that then gave birth in the form of raindrops that came out and formed half man horse. <laughs> yep. I'm thinking, yeah, probably the more realistic version. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, listeners, there you have it. That's the uh that's the top ten most dangerous mythological creatures. Yeah. You know, I'm aware of the centaur. I feel like there's got to be one or two that we are just totally missing that should have been on this list. I mean, maybe not, though. Maybe not. That's a hmm. fun list, though. I enjoyed it. So next week, though, while you're looking that up, next week we are going to tackle, we've been telling you about it for a little bit, it's, it's time for another super review, and we're going to both jump into the film 1917 from Sam Mendes, and uh, it's, it's a oh, war yes. film. Yeah. I don't know much about it. Uh, I've avoided reading any specific reviews. I know a little bit. Most of what I know about it is from the cinematography side of it because this was shot by my favorite guy, Roger Deakins, and they did some very unique stuff with the, the way they filmed this movie, so I'm, I'm excited to see how that turned out. You know, I've heard about it, but haven't heard the story yet, so definitely looking, looking forward, forward to, to it. Yeah. So, nice. so until next time. Yes. I was going to say, what else do you have before we sign out of here? Um, Any last words see. of wisdom about pick? How about this? Let's, let's leave listeners with this one note. We've spent two episodes now, 189. Uh, was it 189 and 191 here? Right? Oh, no, 190 and 192. Um, I don't know if my numbers are right there, but we went through the top 20 anyways of these mythological creatures. Most most terrifying, most dangerous. What's your what's the one for you? Like your favorite on this list? Hmm. That's a question for the listeners or a question for me? For you and listeners. Oh man, I got to go cracking all the way. Cracking. I I, yep. I like it. It's one of the only Scandinavian monsters on the list. 
<laughs> Most of these are Greek and Egyptian. Mm. Um, for me, well, it's, you know, the unknown of the depths of the sea, and then some giant yeah. monsters in it. Yep, pulling you down. Everything yeah. else is like a. Everything else is like a. Two creatures jammed together. Right. Or more. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, I even though it may be a cop-out, but I've got to say, I don't think that they are necessarily the most dangerous, most terrifying, any of that. But hearing that story from the centaurs and how that came about was just such a wild creation story of this thing that, you know, <laughs> the people that dreamt this thing up, just they were making up stories. I mean, I will put it politely, you know, who knows what drugs they had back then, but I'm going to have to give the store from that side of it, the story to the centaurs. All right. All right. Wild story centaurs. Yeah. Got it. Well, I think that's it for the digital suit podcast this week. We sure appreciate you guys listening. Have an awesome week. Be kind to each other and we'll catch you next time. Take care guys. Thank you for joining us, and come back next week for another cracking episode of The Digital Soup Podcast. This has been a Digital Soup production. <laughs>